morning. Good to see you. Welcome to Hopevale today, friends. Glad you're here. And uh, it's a great day to um, ask the Lord to come and be our fount of every blessing. That's the, the old hymn melody that we just heard from Mike today. Just beautiful. Great to have Mike back from Colorado visiting with us. Whenever he comes to town, he's like, hey, Billy, I'm coming to, coming to town. Want me to play with you? I'm like, yeah, I want you to play with me. So <clears throat> good to have Mike back. So yeah, I'm, I'm Billy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> becoming a household name here, Michael. Love it. Hey, let's stand up and worship today. Let's sing this truth out together um, that we as Christians uh, have declared and believed for a long time. Let's sing it out. The way, the truth, the life, I believe you are.
darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is broken great are you Lord it's your breath in our
What a great prayer, right? Yeah. Glad you're here, everybody. It's a good day to be at church. God's got something for all of us today, something very specific. And God does this very, um, this very sweet thing when a whole big bunch of people can gather in a room and he has something individually for you and collectively for all of us. Let's pray that God continues to work and move in those ways today. Glad you're here. I'm Billy. I'm the worship pastor. And um, while you're standing, we do this thing called the meet and greet. Be nice to introverts. Say hi to somebody around you. We'll see you back in a second. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Well, uh, again, welcome to Hopevale. Hope uh, it's just going to be a great day for you. Uh, you know, Hopevale is a big enough place to where we know that um, it could very well be somebody's first time here. Don't worry. We won't make you raise your hand <laughs> or anything. Uh, but we will find you. I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, uh, we ha- actually have a gift for you first timers. If uh, you're here for the first time, if you'd like to receive a gift, we uh, just right out these doors and to the center of the lobby at the welcome desk. We have uh, just some information about our church and a tumbler. You can put some coffee or some water in it, uh, things like that with our logo on it. Um, and glad you're here. Thanks for, for coming out. Hope that, jeez, uh, you know, we all pray and hope that somehow you sense something of God's goodness and his presence in your life. That's our prayer today as a church, that uh, God would meet you there. God, that God would do that for all of us. We pray that um, 20 minutes before each service, uh, before the start. We always pray that God somehow would meet us. We know there's so many stories coming into this room, and God would speak to you individually and collectively, like I just said before. Well, happy July 4th weekend. Uh, it's been a great red and blue kind of a week. Um, and uh, it's, yeah, thank the Lord for our freedom with what we have. You know, uh, soldiers fight to make make it so we can have a free country. And uh, Jesus laid down His life so that we could have uh, a free life and a free gift of salvation for eternity. Uh, there's sort of this uh, uh, comparison that you can do around the July Fourth time, where we can be reminded that God gives us the ultimate freedom in Christ. And certainly we can be thankful that we live in a country where we can worship freely. So uh, happy July 4th weekend that way. Hey, this weekend coming up, uh, this next weekend, a week from today, Sunday, the July 14th, we have a good friend of mine. His name is Christopher Williams, and he's written an album called Gather. Uh, it's been out for probably a little under a year. But um, we've, we don't really do much of this, but we're going to have a concert here next Sunday night at 6 o'clock. It'll be great to have him here, and uh, we'll have information up on our website and Facebook this week, and a little bit more about it if you forget the time. 6 o'clock next Sunday. He'll be here the next Sunday morning as well, um, just as a guest artist and he'll do a feature tune uh, so you can kind of see is that do I want more of this guy or not so uh, you can come you'll see him on Sunday morning too next week so Christopher Williams good friend lives in Nashville he's played and sang with all kinds of big Christian names and groups and open for all kinds of big names and groups and um, uh, he's really good you're gonna really enjoy him uh, he's so I'm, I'm always so inspired and move closer to the Lord because of his stories and his songs and the way that he's able to present himself. So hope you enjoy that. Bring a friend. It'll be an opportunity to bring somebody next Sunday night, 6 o'clock. Ushers, thank you for serving this morning. Come on forward, and uh, we will uh, receive what the church will give uh, today for an offering. Thank you guys for giving uh, today, and um, thank you for the opportunity to um, be a um, let me say thank you, and just on behalf of our pastoral staff and our, our groups here that um, uh, are, are just blessed by what you do. So many stories about how God is moving in and behind the scenes, so God bless your giving today, and hope that uh, God meets you in that. 
uh, in that place where um, when you're giving to him, uh, you know, you don't give to Hope Vale, you give at Hope Vale. Uh, you give to God at Hope Vale, and God takes these things and uses them for what he desires to do. And uh, so you've entrusted us to try to do our best to make those decisions, and we work hard to do that, so uh, to be good stewards of uh, what you're giving. So thank you so much. Let's pray and ask God's blessing, okay? Lord, uh, your blessing, uh, that's what we ask for today uh, because we need it and uh, we need more and more of you in our life. And God, uh, that you would move in uh, what's being given today, we would pray. And so, um, Lord, we know that um, so much of what you're doing in and around Hope Vale, we can see and a lot of stuff we can't see. There's all kinds of stories and all kinds of needs being met. And um, God, we pray that you continue to uh, Uh, Just bless the work and the outstretched arm of you, Jesus. Um, Help us continue to be um, you with flesh on and uh, so we can touch and and help inspire people to be moved more toward you and your goodness and your kindness and even your conviction, God, because uh, being up against uh, you and being in the light of who you are, you call us to more. You call us higher. You call us to live in a way that uh, you would honor and um, and that you would be in favor of. So um, with what's being given today, this act of worship, we pray that uh, you continue to challenge us and convict us and encourage us and inspire us along the journey. In your name we all pray and say, amen.
Lord, we are so grateful for that freedom as our nation celebrates its freedom. We thank all the men and women who fought for it. We also know that our ultimate praise, our ultimate thanks, our ultimate hallelujahs go to you. You have given us freedom through the cross. You have given us freedom through your shed blood, your sacrifice for us as sinners. It's mind-blowing. We thank you for it here today, Lord, that you have given us the ultimate freedom to celebrate our lives in Christ. We pray now that you will be with Pastor Sam as he brings a powerful message to remind us again that in you, we are free indeed. In your name, amen. Everybody. I'm Pastor Sam. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. What a beautiful morning where we can worship together. That was really cool. All the guys up here on stage, we were watching that through the, in the rehearsal this morning. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so great. Love it. Um, I am so excited to be with you here this morning. We also want to welcome those of you worshiping with us in Bay City. We love you guys. Thanks for being there. Um, we are in week two of our series called plot twists, and it's all about little things that can have an enormous effect on our lives, and they, they can actually shift the direction of our stories for, for positive or for the negative. And last week, we looked at the plot twist of pride and arrogance and how pride can grow like a weed in our lives, and it can actually paralyze us or, or hurt us or even hurt those who are near to us and around us if we allow it. But we also saw, however, that we can combat pride in our lives by humbling ourselves and lining up underneath God and lining up with God in opposition to pride. We learned that God doesn't uh, help those who help themselves. In, in fact, rather, God helps those who humble themselves. And so that was last week. Well, this week we want to look at another plot twist. This past Thursday, we celebrated Independence Day. Now, I don't know about you, but I ate way too many hot dogs. <laughs> and hamburgers and all those kind of things. And, and for those of you, maybe kids in the room, sparklers, or maybe big kids in the room, sparklers and fireworks and all that kind of stuff. We, uh, my parents are here this week, and um, they brought a bunch of fireworks from Indiana, and my kids loved it. And they were like, oh, this is so much fun. So Independence Day, it's a, it's a fun thing to celebrate, but it's also a day where we can remember and celebrate the fact that we live in a country where we have freedom where we are free to meet like we do today without the fear of government repercussion. It's a constant yearly reminder to us to not take for granted our freedoms. Freedom is such an important concept to American people. But today what I want to talk about is I want to talk about a different kind of freedom, though. 
a better freedom. Our second plot twist in this series is the plot twist of spiritual freedom. Spiritual freedom. And I think I want to start out our time together this morning with the words of Jesus as we begin this topic. And so in John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to a group of Jewish people who are, have been following him for a while and they are beginning to believe what he says. And look what John records Jesus saying. John chapter 8, starting verse 31, it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And those are words that if you've grown up in church, you, you know, and you're like, oh, this is so good. You know, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Look at this, verse 33, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Apparently, they don't know their own history, because two or three times in Israel's history, they have actually been slaves to other people. But they said, nonetheless, we've never been slaves to anyone. How, how are you going to say that you're going to set us free? Look what Jesus says. Jesus replied to them, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. See, Jesus isn't talking about physical slavery. He says there's something deeper. There's a slavery that's deeper than that. It's, it goes to the spiritual and soul level. He says everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. Look at the next verse. So he says, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I think if we're going to talk about the concept of spiritual freedom this morning and how it has the potential to change and shift our stories, we first need to talk about where that freedom comes from. Jesus says it right here. He says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus says the Son is the one who sets you free. Jesus is the one who sets you free. And so if you have placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, then you no longer are a slave to sin. You're no longer a slave to your past. What you have done has no hold, no grip, no control, no power over you. And this is such an amazing promise. And it may be something that some of you need to do today. You've been trusting in your own striving, your own merits to defeat the hold that the decisions of your past and present have on you, but the, the reality is the only freedom, the only true spiritual freedom is found in faith in Jesus' death and resurrection. If the Son sets you free, then you are free indeed. And so some of you may need to do that today, to place your faith and trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can begin to experience true spiritual soul level freedom. But for the rest of us, though, who've already placed our faith in Jesus, I have a pretty sobering question that I want us to explore this morning. One that's very personal to me because I've struggled with it in my own life. And that question goes something like this. If we have been set free to experience real freedom in Christ, then why is it that we often run back to things that enslave us? Or why do we make our faith in Christ seem more like a to-do or not-to-do checklist? Or why do we seek freedom for ourselves, but then we turn to enslave others with things or ideas that don't sound anything like freedom in Christ, but sound more and more like moralistic behavior modification to a religious code? Why do we do these things if we're free in Christ? See, I've been reading two books lately where I've seen this or I've been reminded of this. The, the first book was all about freedom versus slavery. 
And in this book, the author actually spoke about the beginnings of the United States. And I found it very interesting as we were getting ready for Independence Day reading this. He, he talked about how the first pilgrims fled the British government because of its persecution and oppression. In fact, they said that the British king was enslaving them and they sought freedom and asylum from that. You can see this language today in their writings, especially in the Declaration of Independence, where they wrote these words that we just celebrated this past week. They wrote the words, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And those are things that we just celebrated this week, right? That that the, the founding fathers of our nation said all men are created equal. Then we all have these rights that we're given, no matter where you're from, of life, liberty, freedom, and the pursuit of happiness. But the author went on to say this. He said, however, those very same men who sought freedom from their oppressors wrote, and wrote those very powerful and very true words were the very same men who owned slaves and oppressed others. The concept and the reality can be very different sometimes. The concept can be very true, but how it plays out can be very different sometimes. The second book that I read is called The Courage to Feel, and it's all about how to manage our emotions well. In it, there's this parable of this turtle named Simon who longs to be free of his shell, but all he's ever been told or guilted into is that his shell is all there is, and that it's the only thing that's ever going to keep him safe. And so his mom told him that, everybody else told him that, your shell, that's all there is. That's the only safety you have. And it isn't until he meets a new friend, this mouse named Ronald, who challenges all of these lies that he's been told and been telling himself all these years about his shell, that he finally takes a step outside of his shell and he realizes the freedom that the swamp around him brings. And he begins to paint pictures, a turtle painting pictures, it's hilarious. But... Some things happen, and he quickly finds himself right back near his shell, because it's all he's ever known. And his fear and his anxiety and his projected thoughts about what other people, other animals, other things in nature around the swamp might think about him or say causes him to want to go right back to the very thing that was enslaving him in the first place. And I share these stories with you because I think they profoundly speak about how we can mistakenly view the concept of freedom. Now, I think we love the idea of freedom in Christ and of spiritual freedom, but, but I also think we often run to things or even maybe back to things that can cause us to be bound and enslaved, sometimes without even knowing we're doing it. Or sometimes I think we make our faith in Christ more about these external behavior modification things than about true inside-out life change. And then what we do is we begin to project that onto other people and think that other people have to do that as well. Now, you may be here this morning thinking, well, not me, Sam. That's not me. That, that may be somebody else, but that certainly can't be me. And, and I know that because that's how I thought too. I thought that way too. And then, and then I began to think about my life in a realistic way. And I began to ask myself some big questions about who is Sam. And I began to think about two big things. The first thing I thought about was this. What about this? What about addictions in life? Addictions to things like substances, food, <laughs> other people's approval, stuff. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Research actually shows us that 
Even in recovery from addiction, people often run to another addiction to replace it without even realizing it. They just replace one addiction for another as they try to figure out their addictions. We live in one of the most addicted cultures ever. And the odds are you probably have an addiction to something you just may not even know about it. We live in a very addicted culture and we often run to addictive behaviors or even back to if we've got out of it, but sometimes we run back to addictive behaviors to cope with things in life. And those addictive behaviors become enslaving, sometimes without us even realizing it. We trade our freedom for obsessive addictive tendencies. I was reading about this subject this week and I, I read countless stories where people, I thought this was fascinating, where people became, or people overcame substance addiction by becoming addicted to exercising. It's almost like a correlation, like people traded one for another. One is bad for their health, one is good for their health, but both became obsessive nonetheless. And I thought that was fascinating because they thought, oh, I'm free of this, but now they were bound to this thing. I've also seen many, many stories as a pastor of people overcoming addiction to looking at inappropriate content online with things like Netflix binging. There was one story I read and this person said, I used to you know, stay up till two, three in the morning looking at inappropriate content online and I said, I overcame that, but now I find myself up at two and three in the morning watching Netflix for no reason at all and don't know why. One is sinful behavior, one is not sinful behavior, but both have become enslaving to this person nonetheless. So I thought about what about addiction? We live in this addicted-based culture. Are there things that I don't even know that I'm running to, that I'm enslaving myself to, that I don't even know sometimes that I'm enslaving myself to, that are binding me, that are not allowing me to experience freedom in Christ? Then I, then I thought about this. What about legalistic behaviors? And what I mean is that when we begin to define and determine our faith based upon what we do, and then we begin to hold others' faith to the, the fire based upon what they externally do also. See, legalism says this, what I do equals who I am. But freedom in Christ says, who I am determines what I do. And that may sound like a semantical argument, like, well, isn't that the same thing? No, it's actually not, because one is based on what I do, and the other is based on what Christ has done. One is a change from the outside in, and one is a change from the inside out. One is all about behavior modification, but one is about spiritual and soul level modification. One is about enslavement to a law-based religion, and one is about freedom from a grace-based relationship. One adheres to old covenant thinking, and the other adheres to new covenant thinking. If you remember back to right before Christmas, I taught a message, and I, if you were here for that, and I talked about the difference between old covenant and new covenant thinking. I want to do a little refresher course for us, okay? So here's old covenant thinking. Old covenant thinking is, I do, therefore God does. This was before Jesus. And so they were obeying the law, trying to figure that out, trying to go, okay, so if I do this stuff, then God has this obligation to do something for me. I do, therefore God does. But Jesus came, and he changed the whole equation. He gave us the new covenant in his blood. And the new covenant goes like this. God did through Jesus' death and resurrection. Therefore, because of that, because of the change that that causes on the inside, therefore I do. I work its way out. One is outside in. One is inside out. And we live as followers of Christ under the new 
covenant. So if I'm going to be completely honest here, I really think we struggle sometimes with freedom in Christ and knowing what that means and knowing what it should look like in our day out, day in and day out lives because we run to things like addictive behaviors and because we sometimes believe that behavior modification equals being a Christian. But Jesus would say the opposite. He would say, no, we're in the new covenant. We're under something completely different. And this struggle has been going on since the, the very beginning of the church. This is not a new struggle. In fact, we see it within the very first decade after the church is instituted. Jesus raises from the dead, and, and 40 days later, he ascends to heaven. The Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost and ushers in the church. That's Acts chapter 2. And a lot of really amazing stuff happens between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10. But at Acts chapter 10, uh, it's like the whole ball game changes. Because in Acts chapter 10, God comes down and reveals to the apostle Peter that the gospel is no longer just for Jewish people, that the gospel is for all people. And they're to share it with all people. And so the gospel goes out to the whole world. And Jewish people and Gentile people sitting right next to each other in church. And it's a beautiful thing. And they start another church. There was this church in Jerusalem. Then they started another church in a place called Antioch. But in Antioch, very quickly, a problem begins to emerge. And that problem was this. Jewish Christians began insisting that you must have faith in Christ. That's important. Plus, you must also adhere to the Jewish law that they had grown up with all their life, especially the act of circumcision. So here they were, fully grown, non-Jewish adult men were basically being told, you got to believe in Jesus, and oh, by the way, you have to be circumcised. Now, I don't know what the uh, church-wide campaign was that, no pain, no gain, I don't know, but I'm not certain. But this became a very sharp point of contention in that church, as you can imagine. So much so that they sent word back to the original church in Jerusalem, back to, to James, who's the pastor there, we learned last week. And they said, we need help to correct this. Is this true or is it not true? Please let it not be true. And so in Acts chapter 15, the, the church in Jerusalem said, they sorted out and the Holy Spirit leads them. And they're like, oh, this is not the gospel. Follow Christ. You don't need this other stuff. Well, years later, years and years later, a church in a place called Galatia would struggle with the exact same thing. A Jesus plus other stuff, gospel. And so the Apostle Paul, wanting to correct this off-brand theology, begins to argue with them in his letter to them about what it means to have faith in Christ alone and the freedom that that can bring. And so I want us to look there this morning. Galatians chapter 5 is where we're going to be. If you have a, a Bible, then find the letter of Galatians in the New Testament um, if you have a physical one, it's right after 2 Corinthians, right before Ephesians. If you have a digital one, just go down, scroll, click Galatians. You can also find it on the Hopeville app under the sermon notes. Galatians chapter 5. Paul is going to be talking to the Galatian church about one major topic almost all the way through the entire letter. And that's what it means to have real faith in Christ. Not this Jesus plus other stuff faith. And he, he specifically talks about the freedom that it brings to have faith in Christ alone. Look at the words that he says here, starting in verse 1. He says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And he's being redundant on purpose. Because this is why. 
He says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. He's saying, listen, Christ has set you free. And it's for freedom, living in freedom, that Christ has set you free. Christ didn't set you free so that you could just run back and chain yourself to something. And to be enslaved again. He's trying to make a very big point here. He says, if, if Jesus has really set you free, if he has broken the chains of sin off of us like he said he would in John chapter 8, if he's broken the chains for these people, especially it was the law, he said, if he's broken that off of you, then don't run back to it. Don't run back to sinful behaviors. Don't run back to the law and enslave yourself to it. If you have been set free, stay free. Don't run, rush back to things that are going to enslave you. Again, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Look at verse 2. He says, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, see, they were dealing with that same issue. Christ will be of no value to you at all. If you are basing everything off of external behavior modification stuff, and that's where you're basing your faith in Christ, he says Christ is of no value to you at all because that's not it. If you are preaching grace but judging with the law, then grace is of no use to you, he's saying. Look at verse 3. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. 613 commands in the Old Testament. If that's the route you want to go, good luck, is what he's saying. Jesus came to give you something better, something different, something more freeing. But if that's the route you want to go, then grace is really of no use to you. You're going to have to obey the whole law, and good luck with that. Look at verse 4. He says, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Now that is some really rough words from Paul there, but I think what he is trying to say here, because I think it's, it's tempting to look at that and go, does that mean that if you've accepted Christ and you've experienced salvation that you can lose it? I don't think that's what Paul's trying to say here. I think what Paul's trying to say here is this. If you're basing your faith in Jesus off of what you do, you don't understand grace in the first place. You don't get it. Uh, saying it better like this, this way, falling away from grace is you have zero understanding of what the concept of grace is even about. Why? Because obeying the law, trying to do that, is meriting God's favor by what I do. The very definition of grace is unmerited favor from God. It's a favor that God gives, and there's no way I can earn it. And there's no way I can ever do anything to get it or merit it. And so if, if I'm saying grace, but then trying to merit God's favor on my own, I don't get the two concepts. They, those two concepts cannot go together. Law and grace don't work together is what he's trying to say here. It has of no value to you, grace is, if you're trying to merit God's favor on your own. Verse 5, for through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. So he said it's by faith that it happens. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor circumcision has any value. And if you have a physical Bible or if you can do this on your digital one, I would underline the next sentence because this is so important. He says the only thing that counts, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts, Paul says, is faith expressing itself 
through love. The only thing that carries any value at all is our faith in Jesus Christ expressing itself outwardly towards other people through love. And where does that faith come from? Where does that love come from? It comes from a correct understanding of grace in our lives. A correct understanding of grace in my life leads me to a beautiful place of freedom in Christ where all I need to concern myself with is this, loving God, loving others, and loving one another as Jesus loved me. That's what I need to be concerned with. The only thing that has any value, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Hop down to verse 13. In Galatians 5, he says this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. We're called to freedom in Christ through grace, through his death and resurrection. But then he says this, But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. He's saying, listen, don't use the, the whole idea of freedom in Christ to indulge your sinful behavior. Because that really isn't freedom at all. That's just enslaving yourself further to sin. Sin has a way of doing that. It has a way of enslaving us and, and binding us further to it. He, Paul says in other places in Scripture, he says things like this. Am I free to do everything I want? Absolutely, but not everything is beneficial to do. Is, is God's grace going to cover that? Yes, but don't keep on sinning. Don't keep doing that. Because it's for freedom that Christ has set you free, not enslavement, not, not being bound again. Don't go that route because you will continually bind yourself to something that Christ has set you free from. Don't use your freedom in Christ to excuse sinful behavior. So here's the million dollar question. How do I know if it's sinful or not? And I used to, when I was really little, know the answer to that question. In a very easy way. If it's bad, don't do it. Right? <laughs> like, it was very simple. As you grow older, though, you begin to realize that that the gap between right and wrong, good and evil, bad and, and, and good are, are like, it keeps growing and there's a lot of gray in between. So what do you do? Is it sinful, not sinful? Some people are gonna say one action is sinful. Some people say that's not sinful. What do you do with that? Well, I would, I would personally go this route. I would ask the honor question. Ask the honor question. That question goes something like this. Does this action or this attitude honor or dishonor God? What I'm about to do, does this honor or dishonor God. Then I would take it even a step further. Is this action I'm about to do, or this attitude I have, is this going to honor or dishonor somebody else? And then, based upon what Paul has said here, this question. What would loving God and loving my neighbor ask of me in this situation? Bible says in, in a place that, that if a person knows what to do and they don't do it, to them it's sin. So what does loving my neighbor require of me in this situation? Because not doing that might be sin. Verse 14. He says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything is wrapped up in loving and honoring your neighbor. You can't say, we learned this in First John, you can't say, I love God and then hate your neighbor. And so Paul says everything is wrapped up in loving your neighbor as yourself. I mean, do you feel the freedom in that? 
It's not about do this, don't do this, do that, don't do that. It's not about you've got to obey these 613 laws and somehow figure out how to earn God's favor towards you. It's about one thing, Paul says. He says it's about faith expressing itself in love, a faith in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection, and then having that express itself outward to loving one another. It's about one thing. How can I serve and how can I love you today? There is an enormous amount of freedom in serving and loving and honoring God and my neighbor that following Jesus gives us. What Paul is trying to tell us is this, that in Christ we are set free so that we can stay free. Christ gives you an enormous amount of freedom when you believe and trust in him. So the real question this morning is how? How can we stay free? How can we live from a place of freedom in Christ? And how can we make that our plot twist this morning and for the rest of our lives? Let me give us three suggestions here. First one is this. Embrace grace. Embrace grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor, as we've already discussed. That, That means that Every place in my life where I'm I'm trying to earn or evaluate or extend God's favor from a place of what I did or what I do, it has to be replaced with what Christ did for me on the cross and through his resurrection. It's got to be replaced with that. Nothing I do or have done and nothing anyone else does or has done earns them anything with God. And so I must embrace grace for my own life. And here's the hard part. I must embrace grace for others also. I can't just embrace grace for me and then expect law from others. I must embrace grace for me and then embrace grace for you also. A correct understanding of grace will lead me to a beautiful place of freedom in Christ. So if we are going to experience that freedom in Christ and if we are going to extend that freedom in Christ to others, we must first embrace grace, God's unmerited favor to us. The second thing we need to do is we need to trust the Spirit. We need to trust the Holy Spirit of God. Paul goes on to say in verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5, walk by the Spirit of God and then you won't indulge the flesh. You won't indulge your sinful behaviors if you're truly walking in step with the Spirit of God. You see, it's the Holy Spirit of God that's working in us to produce the type of life that God wants you and I to experience. We must listen to the Spirit and we must walk by the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us to freedom. And it's the Holy Spirit of God that produces the type of fruit in our life that God wants us to experience. And it gives us freedom in Christ. Things like love, joy, peace, patience. He writes those all out in in 22 and 23. And at the very end of it, he says, against such, there is no law. It's from a place of grace by following the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to live out from an inside-out place inside of you. And it's the Holy Spirit that's promised to lead us into all truth. And we will know that truth when we are in step with the Spirit. So in verse 25, Paul says this. He says, since we live by the Spirit of God, let us keep in step with the Spirit of God. And we know the truth and know that grace and know what it means to have freedom in Christ when we are in step with the Spirit of God. And that truth will set us free, as Jesus said. 
And it's the Holy Spirit that actually leads us to embrace grace in the first place. So we need to trust the Spirit of God who lives inside of everyone who calls himself a follower of Jesus Christ and be in step with him. And finally, in trusting the Spirit, we need to live from a place of love. We need to live from love. Paul says the only thing that has any value, the only thing that counts, is faith expressing itself through love. See, freedom in Christ is expressed in how can I love God and how can I love you the way Christ has loved me? That's it. Paul says a faith that expresses itself through love. That's the only thing that counts. It's not about do this, do that. It's not about following these rules. It's not about these laws. It's about faith expressing itself through love. See, when I put God first and when I put you ahead of myself, when I truly love you the way Christ loved me, I'm not looking to merit anything for myself. And there is an incredible freedom in not having to earn anything from God. There's an incredible freedom in that. You and I already have everything we need in Christ. Through his death, and through his resurrection, and through our faith in that, you and I have everything that we need. We're just asked to extend that to other people. And there is freedom in that. So when it comes to this plot twist of freedom in Christ, let me ask us all, how are we doing? How are we doing? If you were to use a word to describe your faith, what, would that, what word would you, would you use? Would you use um, the word freedom or would you use the word enslavement? Would you use the word liberty or would you use the word law? Would you use the word relationship or would you use the word rules? Embrace grace. Trust the Spirit of God and live from love and experience the freedom that Jesus brings Paul tells us Christ has set us free so that we can stay free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Let's pray together. God, on a week where we Americans celebrate independence and freedom, God, we want to take a look at the freedom that you want us to experience and you've given us through your son, Jesus. God, we're so thankful and grateful for that. And there may be someone here who um, has not experienced that, has not placed their faith and their trust in Jesus. And I pray that, that they would come to a realization of how much you love them, how much you care for them, and how much you want them to experience freedom from you. And for those of us who have experienced that, God, help us not run back to things that cause us to be enslaved. Help us run away from the sin that, that enslaves us. Help us run away from trying to do things to merit your favor. But realize we already have your favor. We are already loved. And that what we need to do is we need to have faith and live from a, a place that extends that love to others. God, I'm reminded on a daily basis of that verse that Paul wrote that we looked at. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Help us to live that way and live from a place of love and realize the freedom that that brings. Thank you for your son, Jesus, and freedom in his name. In Jesus' name, amen.
Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Let's stand and sing of that freedom in Christ, friends. Respond and worship together. Oh, 
You have given us freedom. We're no longer bound by sin and darkness. What an incredible, incredible promise. Thank you so much for being here today. And as you go from here today, live in the freedom that Christ has given you. Express your faith through, through love to others. Thanks for being here.